the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. And uh, you're going to be hearing some voices and some crowd noise here during this interview because we're at a special event today, and that's at the Worldview Apologetics Conference here in Bellevue. And I've got a special friend here. His name is Dr. Phil Fernandez. Welcome to Heart of the City, Dr. Phil. Oh, it's great to be here talking with you, Chuck. Well, uh, I always enjoy uh, our conversations together and a big hug and a, and a hearty handshake with you. And uh, we're here at the Apologetics Conference, and uh, you are one of the, the speakers here. And uh, I often get people asking me, what in the world is an apologetics conference? Do you sit around and apologize to each other, or what's, what is it? Well, it's, that's the unfortunate thing is we water down the word apologize, so now we make excuses for believing what we believe or whatever. But originally it meant to make a strong, rational defense of your views. So Christian apologetics is a, a rational defense of the Christian faith. You could use historical evidences and philosophical evidences and scientific evidences. But we just showed others that, you know, to really be reasonable, if you're going to look at the evidence, look at the data, the reasonable thing would be to conclude that there is a God and that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He died on the cross for our sins, bodily rose from the dead, and he's coming back someday. And, um, and the, the reasonable thing to conclude is that the Bible is God's word. So, yeah. uh, so we just provide evidence for people. And, and uh, so, you know, when you witness to people, you try to lead them to Christ. If they have objections, they have questions, we try to get those answers to them. So that really is what being an apologist is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's sure is. the true. faith. So, and uh, you're also on our stations here on uh, on uh, Salem. You're yeah. on 1590, your yep. program. Uh, Trinity Bible Fellowship is on at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. Yeah, 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. A lot of my former students will listen to me on the radio on that station, listen to my sermon while they're getting dressed and getting ready to go to the church that they go to, the right. church that they were raised in. And so we're getting a lot of really good feedback on that, and it's just been a real, real honor to... A real blessing for us to be able to get the word out, get our sermons out to some more people. So, yeah. Well, Doctor Phil, I always, uh, in a little bit later, we'll talk about how you got to become an apologist and a pastor. But I always like to uh, to talk about the heart of the city. In that, we like to talk about how pastors became pastors and their personal journey in, in faith, because mm-hmm. those stories are powerful. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, people often think, well, somehow you were just instantly a pastor and you decided you checked off the vocational box and said, "Uh, I think I'll be a pastor. But there's a uh, there's a real story behind it. So so let's uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, You uh, you came from this area? No, no, no. I am from uh, from Essex County, New Jersey, kind of borders Manhattan. 
with the guys that's just kind of New Jersey, the Italians that I grew up with, I'm half Italian, half Portuguese. Um, we were most like the Brooklyn guys and the guys from the Bronx and stuff like that. And, uh, and, um, and so I grew up in Essex County, New Jersey. I was raised in a Catholic home, but I didn't really believe myself. But, um, uh, I did a lot of boxing back in Jersey, but, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't understand why the police would start police athletic leagues and the churches would open up their gymnasium. So I was a Catholic kid who was boxing at a Presbyterian gym till the call of police athletically go open up. I had no idea that they were just trying to get kids off the streets. It was a rough neighborhood. and I, But I just thought it was great that I could actually hit people. And the old guys would clap instead right. of uh, And the police were putting, okay with it. Yeah, they didn't put uh, handcuffs on me and take me away. So, so uh, But, you know, I had graduated high school and wasn't really was questioning God's existence, didn't really have any direction. Then a light heavyweight from the gym that I boxed at uh, talked me into going to the Marine Corps with him on the buddy system. So I figured, well, I don't want to be a Marine, but at least if I at least if I go out there, uh, you know, I'll have my, my buddy with me and, um, and it won't be that bad. Well, he didn't show up to take the oath. So they flew me and a bunch of strangers out of Newark, New Jersey, down to Paris Island boot camp, and uh, so I thought, okay, I just threw away three years of my life, but you know, nice friend, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> and uh, but he did get. I didn't want to talk much, but he he, it's kind of good that God separated us because right. he ended up going to Marine Corps later and got a lot, did a lot of break time, mm-hmm. beat up people, he got in a lot of trouble. But I think I think apparently, God's turning his life around now, much much later. But uh, but whatever the case, I was in the Marine Corps, and so I thought, you know, we had hostages. And I ran. So I thought it was going to be exciting in the Marine Corps, you know. Um, and I didn't, wasn't a moral guy, wasn't a, um, a believer. So I figured, you know, if you pay me to tell me to kill people, I'll kill people. I don't, you know, I just, it's a job, you know. And, uh, but what I didn't realize was uh, that Ronald Reagan was going to get elected while I was in boot camp. I told Khomeini was going to cough off the hostages. And I was going to be uh, damned to uh, three years of really boring duty guarding nuclear weapons and the bin ladens of this world do not mess with marine corps on marine corps uh they're not gonna mess with them with marines on missile movements i mean it just you know they don't stand a chance and right. so and we knew that so it was very very boring so i thought i was gonna have a nervous breakdown so it was actually a search for, so where were for you meaning s- that led me to christ not yeah. I didn't even search for truth i didn't even care about truth but i was stationed at bangor and um guarding the nukes over there and um and, uh, but I thought I was going to have a breakdown, so I started looking for answers and stuff. And, you know, so I started drinking, ended up kneeling down in front of toilet bowls and right. getting in trouble. And I thought, nah, so I just quit cold turkey on that. And then I started boxing Marines. They don't know how to box. I mean, it was just, it was just dumb. And so eventually I said, well, my dad found meaning in Catholic Mass. I started going to Catholic Mass, and then uh, some middle-aged lady invited uh, me and the other Marines that I took with me to her house for home cooked meal and we get to their house and there's like you know pictures of jesus all over the walls and i was like oh man we've been had and, <laughs> but she knew she didn't have an open door was we were a bunch of italian guys from new york and new jersey so uh she said i got a friend who's uh an ex-convict and he'd like to talk to you and i thought hey i like the guy already <laughs> you know and he shared the gospel message with us and so we ended up uh, going to the catholic charismatic prayer meeting and that's how i came to christ now, for two years of studying the Bible, I felt led to leave Catholicism mm-hmm. and to leave uh, the charismatic movement. But I came to Christ through the—it was kind of a back—in the early 80s, this is 1981, it was an early back-to-the-Bible movement, 
for Roman Catholics, and um, and that's when I was you know confronted with my sin and and they taught me things about Jesus and you know who he was and why he died on the cross and I just thought you know what I need to trust in him for salvation and um, and you know I, I told the guy you know I said you know I'll it's, it makes sense I know it's true. But there's some things I got to clean up in my life first. And he, the guy said, the ex-convict said, "Look, uh, you'll never make yourself clean enough for God, and you don't know if you're going to get another chance. So uh, you just got to come to Him. Hmm. You just got to come to Him, just as you are, and uh, He'll make the changes that need to be made." And and I was like, "Man, I, I ran out of arguments." So and and I didn't even know what to pray, you know, when they were. Give me the gospel message. I just said what I said in growing up in Catholic Church. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Have mercy on me. And uh, and so I trusted in Jesus. And I started studying the Bible. And then eventually I realized, okay, I need to get out of the Catholic Church. I need to get rebaptized. Um, you know, that's why I'm a Protestant. You know, right? And uh, got to protest against something, right? <laughs> and uh, and so you know, and and um, and then I. After I got a Marine Corps, my resume showed I could blow things up. So I was either going to be a a cop, security, corrections officer, or mafia hitman. There were no other options to right. me. So, so I those I, are transferable I got, skills, yeah, right? So I yeah. Chose law enforcement and uh, and correction, uh, law enforcement and security, and right back at Bangor, but now as a civilian, and um, and uh, um, and then I enrolled in Liberty University and uh, taking Bible college courses. Back then, it was through video cassettes, and then you fly out there two weeks a year and taking tests that were proctored by your pastor and stuff like that. And um, and I thought, man, what a bad guy I am because I don't like work. I don't like law enforcement. All I want to do is study the Bible and teach others about the Bible. I enrolled in Bible college, spending my, my family's hard-earned money. But why would God choose me to to be a preacher? I mean, you know, why not these kids that grew up in Christian homes? I figured, you know, I, I thought of myself back then, saying, so they didn't have me convinced I was, I was trash, you know. And um, and but then I heard H. L. Wilmington of Liberty University said that a young man asked Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great British preacher, he said, "I I think God's called me to preach, but I'm not sure. Um, how do I know God's called me to preach?" And Spurgeon told him, "If you can be happy in any other job on earth, God hasn't called you to preach." And uh, and that's when it dawned on me that. Oh, the reason I'm not a bad guy. The reason why I just want to study the Bible and teach others is because God put that desire there. I can't be happy in any other job on earth, and so um, and then I still had to work another ten years in law enforcement to get my schooling, pay off my schooling, and and uh, but it made it then enjoyable because it was serving a purpose. So when I wrestled with the drunks and wrote speed ticket, wrote speed tickets and stuff like that, it was like. Hey, this is all moving me in the direction of getting my studies done. Studied under Gary Habermas at Liberty University. We became friends. He's like the foremost expert on the resurrection. Then I later on studied under Norman Geisler through Southern Evangelical Seminary. And so, uh, so, um, and so it was 1988 when I planted a church with about five or six people. Uh, 1994 we went full time. So we just celebrated 30 year anniversary of the church and. Um, you know, and I met my wife at the old Catholic Charismatic Prayer Meeting. In fact, her parents hosted it, and and so you know we got to know each other, got to be friends, then started dating, then got married, and uh, and um, you know so the rest is history. But but I realized when I was preaching sermons on Sunday mornings, I was going over my little congregation's head, and so I realized I needed to start the Institute of Biblical Defense, and that was in 1990, and um, and so um, and then I started 
putting stuff, streaming audio, streaming video, and started doing debates. And somewhere, I think it was my 1997 debate with uh, Michael Martin out of uh, Boston University, an atheist that kind of put me on the apologetics map and kind of gave me, I guess, an international platform and stuff. And uh, so that's uh, that's how I came to Christ. And once I came to Christ, it was all about answering people's questions because I was witnessing to Marines, and they had a lot of questions. Got turned on to Walter Martin, the Bible Answer Man, and Francis Schaeffer's writings. And so apologetics just became a necessary component of my evangelism, sharing sharing faith with uh you know, sharing Christ with others. So, so that's in a nutshell. It's kind of the, yeah. the story. So, how did your how did your personal life change when you accepted Christ? What happened? Well, immediately, what happened was um, I stopped hitting people in the Marine Corps. You could still get away with. I don't know how it is now, but you can get if you got a guy and he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You could still put a whooping on him and don't leave marks. And uh, you know, so I, I I started losing that bad temper. And stop mistreating people. Um, cursing took a couple of years to stop because you know I grew up in New Jersey. And my my mom, uh, Angelina Minichino, was her uh, maiden name, an Italian gal from Newark. She she actually was more foul mouthed than my Marine DIs were. So uh, so I had a foul mouth before I went in the Marine Corps. And so when I first when I first got saved, uh, people would ask you, "Hey, how, they used to call me Ferno." Say, "How you doing, Ferno?" And I'd say. Uh, I'd pause, wait a couple seconds, and I'd say, I'm doing pretty good. And what it was was I would, in my mind, I would answer the question, then I would remove all the curse words, mm-hmm. practice it a couple times, and then answer. So they thought I had a kind of a slow delay there. But um, so, uh, but God allowed me to, you know, enable me to minister to, I think, Marine, Marine Corps and prison, probably, you know, military and prison, probably the only two places where you could still have a foul mouth and have a vibrant christian ministry <laughs> and so god was very gentle with me and uh yeah. but um um you know me, immediately from getting saved i just started telling everybody god bless you because I, I used to manipulate a lot of people i was popular in new jersey but i was popular because i learned how to push people's buttons and you know if i, if I was tougher than a guy i dominate him if and uh if a guy was tougher than me um, I would manipulate him to be one of my guys, and uh, I got relatives in the mafia. I was never in the mafia, but I kind of had the mafia attitude. And so when I came to Christ, I felt very uh, ashamed of how I used people um, and mistreated them. And so, uh, so um, I when I say God bless you to people, it's because I really mean it. I yeah. really do want God to bless them, and uh, and I, I know I can never undo. The damage that I did before, that's in God's hands. And uh, so I think the Apostle Paul faced that. Of course, he was a much worse dude than I was. But um, he knew he couldn't change yesterday. But he's got today and he's got tomorrow. So he always acknowledged, yeah, I was, Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom I'm the, the greatest. I'm the chief among the sinners. But he knew, it looked like the rest of my life, I could share Jesus, and um, and I could allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, and so that's all I could do. Is I just try to, just try to love the Lord, and just try to love people, and I try to wake up in the morning, 
devotional study of God's word and, and some time of prayer, so that I'm hope my you know I hope to get filled with the Spirit in the morning, so that it becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. Yeah. And uh, so I don't have like a strategy. How do I witness to people? Right. I just go out in public and love on people and say God bless you to them, and the Lord kind of does the rest. So. Yeah, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the director of local ministry development, and with us today is uh, Dr. Phil Fernandez, Trinity Bible Fellowship over in the Kitsap side. Dr. Phil, the thing that I am impressed with is just your honesty of where you were and your story. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're talking about Marines and convicts. You know, obviously there's deception that goes on, but also there's a level of honesty that takes place that's pretty amazing to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And as you're sharing your story, it's like, this is what I was, yeah. and now this is who I am. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's that's the powerful thing of story, isn't it, is that we can acknowledge the fact that that this is who we were in the past, but now yeah. through the power of Jesus Christ, we're a transformed being, and we we don't have to walk in shame any longer. Yeah, yeah. It's when I preach, uh, I often end up weeping in the middle of my sermons, and I don't plan it, and I don't want it to, because it could it could turn a forty minute sermon into an hour and five minute sermon. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, and guys would ask me why I weep, and I couldn't never figure it out. But one guy from my church. His name is Carl. He said, he said, he said, I know what it is. He said, you're broken. Yeah. God broke you. You were a wild horse and God broke you. And, um, you know, I was taught in Jersey, you know, you never, you know, you never cry. Men don't cry. And you never turn the other cheek, you know, and you never let anybody question your manhood. And now it's like I read God's word and I share God's word and I realize God's using me as an instrument to proclaim his truth. And it's like, how can I? How can I? This is really is the word of God. How can I not cry? And um, but um, you know, it's like C.S. Lewis, who was a great defender of free will, but he still said that he came kicking and screaming into the into the kingdom of God. And God's got to break us to bring us. You know, we don't voluntarily just say, "Hey, yeah, I want Jesus," and um, we worship ourselves. And uh, and Jesus says, "No, I'm going to do what it takes to to break your will." And um, and um, but I, I love the Lord and. I've never looked back, and uh, God's blessed me not only with with salvation, but with a, a great wife, a great family, uh, a great church, and um, and so uh, yeah, no regrets, yeah, no regrets, no looking back at all. Well, tell me about uh, the Institute of uh, Biblical Defense. When you started that, what was what was your intention? Uh, well, that was back in the audio cassette days. So basically, I just started recording. Um, I would, I would speak at little, you know, you know, churches that would have a little apologetics group or something, and they'd bring me in, and I'd speak to provide training for like ten or twelve people, and we recorded it on audio cassette, and um, and then we would sell the audio cassettes or give them away, and you know, and, and then when people all of a sudden started hearing about us, and then they wanted us to mail. We don't have a mailing department, right, you know. We right. had no volunteers even. I mean, he's like, this is getting time-consuming. But apparently, though, uh, Firefighters for Christ found out about what we were doing and and um, asked for everything we had, which back then was 700 lectures on um, MP3 format. So Firefighters for Christ, they put out, like, a lot of Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel-type stuff. So then they started getting millions of downloads of my stuff. And then Brian Norton, a guy out of Ireland, Apologetics 315, he put my stuff out as the uh, ultimate apologetics uh, package. 
and so you had thousands of, of people all over the all over the world getting apologetics training for free online and um and so God just really blessed us and I like I said it was that debate with Michael Martin internet it was an internet debate internet and infidels hosted it and it was a written debate and I didn't even do email back then so it was it was like a two or three step thing you know right printed out and mac and have some other guy uh scan it into pc format <laughs> and then put it on an email and right. send it on out and uh but um but apparently tens of thousands of people uh still to this day read this so i don't i can't even guess how many people have read it but all of a sudden i was finding myself on the list of you know one guy's the top 100 apologists, another guy the top 40. Every once in a while you get a guy who probably hasn't read extensively and apologizes and puts me on his top 10 or something. But right. but whatever the case, um, people recognize that uh, the quality of uh, of the work at the Institute. And so we just, we just basically we would take debates, give lectures, like uh, conferences like this, and then we apply um provide apologetics training for people who want like one-year certificates through the Institute of Biblical Defense and Christian apologetics or Christian theology. And uh, it's an inexpensive way to do that. And it's a certificate on the wall where somebody says, well, you seem like you know what you're talking about. Where did you go to school? Well, I um, uh, I earned a one-year certificate uh, in apologetics from Institute of Biblical Defense. And so it's kind of those who can't afford Bible college or seminary um, it's an inexpensive way to get trained yeah. in, in apologetics. So. so if someone wants to check out the the uh, Institute, how do they get a hold of that? Yeah, instituteofbiblicaldefense.com and Phil, probably the best way to go would be philfernandez.com. And uh, Fernandez is uh, F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-S. It's Portuguese. It ends with an S, not a Z, or it would be Spanish. But philfernandez.com, and then you, you, can, you can click onto my sermons, list to over 1,600 sermons if you want. Or uh, uh, you could look on the, the certificate programs and click on that. And my um, webmaster, uh, um, Pat Fisk, he does all that tech stuff. I still I still have a – I don't even have a smartphone, so I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those guys stuck in the 1990s, I, I guess. I understand. Well, Dr. Phil, we've got about a little over a minute left. When you tell your story – what what would you say the the theme of your life is, and as you tell your story, and how would how would you encourage our listeners today? Yeah, well, I, I would say this: that my my search wasn't a search for truth. Now I'm a defender of the truth, but it really wasn't a search for truth. I was an idiot who didn't care about truth. Mine was a search for meaning, and so in Jesus, I found the meaning of life. You know, a lot of my students would ask me, "You got any questions?" And sometimes they raise their hand; they think they're going to stump me. They say, "What is the meaning of life?" And I'll tell them the meaning of life. And I didn't originate this; I've heard it from others. But the meaning of life is this, uh, to know Christ and to make him known. And um, and so Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He died on the cross for our sins, bodily rose from the dead to conquer death for us, and he's going to come back and make things right. And so I would say if you're looking for meaning, if you're looking for truth, um, just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, become a man who died on the cross for our sins. Trust in him for salvation. And he not only provides us with eternal life, um, but I can honestly say I, I don't. I used to cry on my pillow, though I acted like I was a tough guy back in Jersey. But I'd cry at night on my pillow because I just didn't know who I was or if I even mattered. And um, and let me tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom, 
like Francis Schaeffer said, there are no little people. And uh, God could use, if God can use a guy from Jersey like me, um, grandparents from both sides are immigrants. And uh, if God could use a guy like me from Jersey that everybody would say, look, the kid was born with two strikes on him, then God could use anybody. And uh, to come to him for salvation, and then he's going to put you to work. So it goes salvation right to service, <laughs> and it's all done by the Holy Spirit. So, Dr. Phil, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to... Uh, hear the podcast of this broadcast and any other interview that I've done on Heart of the City over the last year or so, you can go to the word seattle.com uh, and uh, click on local programs and and uh, listen to a podcast of this, uh, this interview today. Dr. Phil, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank you, Chuck. God bless. God bless. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.